attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and joining us in the VIP tent this week is Colonel Ken Holtzhauser. Hi, Ken. Oh, hello. Uh, congratulations on my field commission. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, I decided to, uh, last time, I believe I called you Captain Ken Holtzhauser because I like the alliteration of it. But I decided to <laughs> I decided to promote you over major into colonel because, A, we still get the alliteration. And, B, for those of you that don't remember, last season, Ken really took one for the team and uh, volunteered to discuss Major Fred C. Dobbs, which even Larry Gelbart said was their worst episode they ever did. Uh, so I really appreciate that, Ken. So as a reward, uh, you're back here for the second season, and you get to talk about one of the funniest episodes of the second season, which is Henry in Love. So congratulations. Uh, it's its own reward for sure, but I will uh, I will happily accept the promotion. <laughs> I have made you a full bird colonel, as they say. Uh, so uh, anyway, you said this is, uh, again, as I said, this is Henry Love, which is season two, episode 16. The original air date was January 5th, 1974. It's written by the always dependable team of Larry Gelbart and Lawrence Marks and directed by Don Weiss. And uh, again, since Ken was on the show before, we can get right into the episode. So after a week in Tokyo, Henry returns with exciting news. He's in love. Hawkeye and Trapper are dubious, and even more so when they see the picture of the woman in question and how young she is. But Henry is insistent and worries what he's going to tell his wife, Lorraine. Hawkeye and Trapper tell him to let it go, but they get a better idea of how serious he is when he tells them that the girl in question, a Miss Nancy Sue Parker, is coming to visit the 477th. Henry then begins to prepare for her visit, working out strenuously, dyeing his hair, putting special records in the Oak Club jukebox, and getting radar to spiff up the VIP tent. Hawkeye and Trapper continue to mock the whole situation, which irritates Henry. Radar, for his part, seems determined to keep reminding Henry about his wife back home. Once Nancy Sue, played by Catherine Bauman, arrives, Hawkeye and Trapper see what all the fuss is about. Nancy Sue is a well-built, bubbly cheerleader of a gal who acts like she worships Henry and is very flirty with everyone she meets. That night, they all meet up at the O-Club and everyone notices Nancy Sue. Frank and Hot Lips disapprove, a married man fooling around with another woman, Frank snorts, and are tersely polite to her. After Nancy Sue performs one of her old high school cheerleading routines right there in the middle of the club, an announcement over the PA says that a patient of Hawkeye and Trapper's needs some medical assistance, but Henry steps in because Hawkeye has been drinking. Hawkeye walks Nancy Sue home, and she goes from flirty to seductive, planning a big, deep kiss on Hawkeye in her tent. Hawkeye, uncomfortable, breaks it off and reminds her why she's here. He meets up with Trapper and tells him what's hap- what happened. Trapper says Henry's on the phone with his wife, which causes them to run, not walk, to Henry's office. But when they get there, they're relieved to see that Henry isn't breaking up with his wife. In fact, he's being a dutiful husband, agreeing to balance his wife's checkbook, even though he's on the other side of the world. Radar steps in to say goodnight, and Henry points out that his wife was happy he called, which makes me wish I had. Henry quietly thanks Radar for saying that tomorrow morning, they can sleep in an extra 15 minutes. Radar, all smiles, agrees. The next day, Nancy Sue departs, and Henry is polite but distant. As they all watch her drive off, Henry admits that, even though we couldn't wait for her to come, now he's glad she's gone. All right, so Ken, uh, I love this episode so very much. Uh, Why did you want to talk about it? 
Well, it's there's a lot of reasons to to enjoy it. Certainly, McLean Stevenson. It's a it's quite a comedic run for him. It seems like the early to mid seventies, there was a big cultural discussion of what was referred to as middle age crazy, where the early boomers were starting to feel their age, and everybody was uh, making jokes about uh, dating younger women and right. buying like the heartbreak stars. kid like, and stuff. And so uh, Henry goes through all of that, dyeing his hair, doing calisthenics, and uh, trying to regain that youth. And to, to me, it always seemed like there was also a little hint of jealousy that maybe he was jealous that Hawkeye and Trapper were uh, young and dynamic and, uh, you know, getting on with nurses and uh, doing crazy stunts. And he kind of wishes it was still him in his youth there. It's a good character piece for Henry. I really like this episode. It is. I mean, after a bunch of episodes where McLean Stevenson didn't get a lot to do. And obviously uh, probably even this early on, he was probably relatively unhappy with how the show was going, which of course would lead to his leaving at the end of the next season. Uh, But this is really a, a great, story for him it's a tour de force performance from mclean steams and he i love how giddy he is when he's talking to them in his <laughs> office i mean he's like i've got the big l l u v like he's he's like such a goofball i love all that stuff and just as a side thing uh all credit to don weiss this scene where he's talking to hawkeye and trapper you often see the fourth wall of Henry's office because he's he's po- he's poised where he's looking at them, which I always appreciate because that's extra effort. You know, they could have just put Henry behind the desk and it could have just been them looking at each other kind of, you know, profile shot. But we actually, you know, get the sense of the real reality of this office. There is a fourth wall because we get to see it. And I, I like that they make the extra effort for that. Oh, yeah. And and Henry's discussion with uh, with the guys uh, when. That one really strikes me where he says, I know, I know, I'm 44 years old and I only hear about half of what anybody says <laughs> and my hips are forming a gutter for my waist and I'm thinking of moving out into the men's latrine to reduce travel time. I don't know why I conflate this with another episode where he says he's combing his hair with a towel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but all of that, all of that stuff really is really funny. And uh, the older you get, it really strikes home. This is definitely one of those episodes where it's funny as a kid, because you're seeing, you know, uh, Henry Blake doing Pratt falls and he's got funny goo in his hair and all that kind of stuff. But as you age with mash, this is one of those episodes that, uh, that strikes you differently <laughs> when you watch it in your forties and up. I am a little disturbed by the notion that I am now older than Henry Blake. That makes me <laughs> a little upset. But, I mean, I guess time marches on. I'm really glad that you, you pointed that out, though, because that was something I had in my notes that, that occurred to me uh, over time as I've watched this episode. I mean, not only is it just very, very funny, uh, especially you know anything with Hawkeye and Trapper and Henry just kind of going back and forth. But there, I, I really like – I mean, look, we all know that MASH had a fairly large uh, child audience. I mean, from all the times I've had guests on and I've asked them, when did you discover MASH? So many of, of, of people, including myself, have said, oh, I watched it as a kid. And I'm always kind of amazed at that because it's like it seems like such an adult show and it's kind of drab looking and it's got a lot of adult concerns. And you kind of wonder what, what – what, the, what was a little kid seeing it? And, of course, it's been pointed out that Hawkeye and Trapper are kind of the ultimate bad kids. You know? Oh, yeah. You, you can just transpose them to, like, high school and they're thumbing their nose at the teacher. And, of course, the, 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 the whole notion of, you know, being like the Groucho, which, Henry, which uh, Hawkeye even does at one point. He literally does Groucho in this episode. I mean, it goes all the way back to that of just thumbing their nose at authority. So, of course, that's what kids relate to. But the scene with Henry and Hawkeye and Trapper – 
in his office where they try and talk him down from this, <laughs> this, this ledge that he has walked out on. I really love that scene because it is – there's kind of an undercurrent. There's a – I mean an undercurrent. There's a kind of like subtext to it where they're not really explaining exactly what the problem is because it's three grown men, two of which are married. And Hawkeye, you know, not married, but he understands kind of what it's like to – to be in you know committed relationships and stuff, and they're able to kind of talk as three grown men, and I like that. I like that it doesn't kind of dumb it down. Like there is no point where Trapper or Hawkeye say something so obvious as like you can't leave your wife, Henry. They never say that. They kind of just are like, look, Henry, you had your fling. Let's just you know that. The, come on, we all know that this is not a real thing. Let's just move on. And I love that Hawkeye says. Uh, uh, like chalk this up to uh, Andy Hardy remembers his teeth in the glass, which is like one of the great uh, fake movie titles that, that Mesh came up. But I, I, I just love how it's just it's written by adults for adults, and it's a scene that I think a lot of kids just it would blow right by them because it it just it isn't as obvious as it could be. And I really think that's all credit to Gelbart and and Marks who wrote the script. And there's a real there's a real feeling of affection I think between. Hawkeye and Trapper for Henry. They're everybody's doing this maturely and gently, and I think that um, that yeah, there's there's real warmth between the three of them, even when they're um, they're being a little disapproving. You know, Glorioski, mm-hmm. they're very disapproving. But uh, uh, that you mentioned, Andy Hardy remembers his teeth in the glass. <laughs> it's funny your your previous episode of this fine podcast, available where you find all podcasts. Um, <laughs> When you did uh, Carry On Hawkeye, you were talking about Hawkeye talking in a constant stream of movie quotes and mm-hmm. movie. And honest to God, as many years as I have watched this show, as many decades as I put into it, that's just always been a background detail that I've never really bumped on until now. Mm-hmm. And now it's this it's this extra this extra little texture that I didn't realize was there with Hawkeye, and now it colors it colors my uh, watching of the show going forth now is that now I'm there seems like there's a new thing that I never noticed in mash before. So it's, this is yet another one of those where it's a lot of like um, movie cliches, like, uh, Hey, the, the team called and they want you to take over at halftime or right, right, right. Or the Andy Hardy reference or anything like that. Yeah. There's something interestingly modern about that. Yeah, and he said Hawkeye is a big movie fan. Like he would, if he was alive today, he would be on film Twitter. You know, he would have a blog talking about his movies and stuff. He would be that kind of guy. Uh, in the scene again, in the scene where the three of them were, were talking about, I also like there's some subtle uh, set decoration here because if you look behind Henry when he's talking, when he says, "Just a minute here, she's no kid. She'll be 21 in August." The the wall is completely covered in in crayon drawings. Uh, of Fabian Henry's kids, uh, which I think yeah. is a nice detail. It's a constant, re- and you don't really, because of the angle, you don't generally see Henry from that angle. And so this is the, they had to put those up for the guestly the first time, probably for this episode. So I love that too. It's like this constant reminder that, you know, he has a family. He's getting carried away here. And the scene doesn't really make fun of Henry. It, it certainly suggests that he's really gotten away from himself. But um, and me is the line about she pulls up a chair and sits down in my heart, which you know, Hawkeye's reaction is hit me when he gets for the drink and stuff. Um, but I mean, it's I don't know. I, I like all that. It's all that nice physical 
detail going on that it's like, oh yeah, he's a you know he's a married man and he's he, he's not just married; he's got kids at home. You know, he he's excited, but he he's really not going to be able to do this what he thinks he's what he thinks he can do. And Hawkeye picks up a picture of his family from the desk, and they look very much like the uh, home movies we saw of Lorraine. They do. So they do. I. I I've got to give them credit for that. There's a lot of attention to detail going on in the set dressing. Yeah. Uh, there is an early – we actually skipped over an earlier scene of where uh, Frank has the, the great bit about where he talks about how he's been in the, the, the front office all this time. You know, He's comparing himself to some of the great military leaders. Your Attila's the Hun. Uh, you know, and stuff like that, which is typical great Frank uh, nonsense. But there's a scene in the tent with uh, Margaret and Frank. Uh, which is actually very sweet because it's it's again it's they're they're just being you see why uh, Margaret seems to love Frank so much uh, and she she reads him um, some stuff from her diary where she talks about her beloved uh, her beloved FB or whatever she calls him and it's it's a really nice scene I mentioned this in the uh, episode just before this one which was uh, officers only which has a nice scene between uh, Frank and Margaret where we actually see what they see in each other it's not just they're not just kind of like uh, sex crazed you know t- animals they they actually do have affection for one another which is nice I think it gives it rounds things out a little but uh, I don't know Ken I, and maybe I maybe I'm a perv or something but there's a line in this scene where she talks about how impressive Frank is and, like, he's this great leader. And she says, every so often, uh, like, I'm really impressed by him and every so often a little bit rubs off on me. <laughs> and I'm like, is that uh, yeah. a really dirty joke? And it's it's the kind of dirty joke that's so subtle that you either – you're going to get it and you're not offended or you're just not going to get it? It's certainly possible. I can't say that I didn't uh, filter that line that way too. Okay. Uh, All right. I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> <laughs> two things about those those two scenes we're talking about. Uh, firstly, the scene where Frank is addressing the troops, you know, the Attila's the Hun scene. Uh, Loretta Switt's little micro expressions while Frank is talking <laughs> are wonderful. She's she's admiring, and then he'll go off on some tangent, and she'll look confused. He'll, he used the word officiousness, and she I would be de- I would be derelict in my officiousness. <laughs> and, and and she has this very confused look on her face. And then back to admiration, certainly admiration once he's comparing himself to Attila the Hun. And <laughs> she's, she's working so hard during that scene, and she's not the focus of the scene. She could easily just, you know, just relax, take it easy, do whatever. But she's just – she's working to make that scene work. Oh, she's – I admire Loretta Swit. Uh, I mean obviously I do, but for all get out because she, she gets so many scenes where she's just in the background. And like a – I mean a good – you know, you would be a bad actor if you weren't reacting to what's going on. But she really is selling it is that she's so desperate for Frank to be a good leader and he gets so close. And then when he crumbles because he talks about some of the suggestions he got in the suggestion box or really below the belt. Why bring my mother into this? And she's she's just like, Frank, don't – don't get into this stuff. Just like he starts off so well, and then it just all falls apart. But that diary scene um, is strange because we we find out in the first scene that Henry's coming back from Tokyo later, right. and then suddenly we get the message that he's going to stay two more days. Uh, that seems like that makes me think that diary scene is an add-on. Like they were running short, and they put together another scene that they could put into the episode. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you just say Henry's coming back in two days and then you don't necessarily 
Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at it funny, but uh, oh, that's interesting. I never really thought of that. I, ne- I did never really it, consider that. But yeah, you're right. Just, there really is no purpose to to adding Henry's to make. T- I mean, I guess it's just that he was ready to leave, and then he met Nancy Sue, and now he's using his authority to stay later. But you're right; it doesn't it doesn't really add anything to to make to add that detail. And and just as an aside, does it seem like Henry goes to Tokyo way more often than Colonel Potter does? He goes a lot. He gets a lot of vacation. I think Colonel Potter is just kind of a little more willing to stay back at the back at the unit and run the place. Henry my, Henry needed a lot of vacation. My particular headcanon, though, for that was that since uh, Colonel Blake is a lieutenant colonel and isn't regular army like Colonel Potter, maybe they keep him on a shorter leash, so he has to report to some general on the regular because. He's. They don't have the same kind of confidence in him that they do in Colonel Potter, who's regular. I like that. I like that's good. That's you earned yourself a no prize, Ken. I like that a lot. That's good. <laughs> you 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 brought up a problem and then you fixed it all in one all in one fell swoop. I like that a lot. Uh, there is a line about you mentioned the the previous episode, the Carry On Hawkeye, and I talked about how that phrase is from a series of British films that are kind of slightly risque humor. There's even that line here where. Uh, the 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 uh, telegram that uh, Henry sends, uh, saying that he's staying in staying an extra two days, he tells everyone to keep carrying on, and of course that's the yeah. subtext of okay, well, keep carrying on means well, just continue to go back to having sex, Frank and Margaret, and, and they take it, they take him at their word because that's exactly what the kind of they go after as soon as Radar leaves the tent. I wondered if that was also a reference to Carry On Camille. That might be more esoteric than the Carry On films, which were much more the kind of body humor mashes. They mentioned Camille in a later episode, in like season seven, uh, I believe. So, yeah, I think they probably could have been both. You know, Hawkeye, I mean, uh, MASH had that kind of, you know, highbrow and lowbrow humor at times. Um, I do love I do love the moment. It's a great little character bit when, when Henry finally does come back and he's in the Jeep and he starts to stand up and then the Jeep lurches forward and he falls over and he, he gives the driver a punch and it's clearly kind of – he doesn't want to be too mean, but you can tell he's really mad, too. I just love that little detail that Henry just can't ever get too mad at somebody, even though he's clearly pissed off because the, the Jeep driver in him looked like an idiot for falling out of the Jeep. I don't know. If there was any one thing that McLean Stevenson's Henry Blake had was that uh, that loss of dignity just yeah. over and over and over. Time he's about to take some sort of command dignity. It would seem there would always be a pratfall or something squirting in his face or, you know. Right, yep. So- Coming out of a pipe for him or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So finally, Nancy Sue arrives, and I love this whole. There's this running bit where Hawkeye and Trapper keep referring to her as a as a child or whatever, and it, it's really funny. I love it when Hawkeye and Trapper are standing there in the middle of the the the, the compound, and they're waiting. The jeep's pulling up, and uh, uh, Hawkeye says something like, "When does the school bus arrive?" And <laughs> and and Henry says, "86 on those cracks is a personal order." And Hawkeye very seriously says, okay, Henry. And then immediately Trapper follows it up with teenager at three o'clock. Like, <laughs> like he just, he, he's acting like he's not part of that conversation, even though he literally just heard Henry ask, please don't make those kinds of jokes. I love that. He just, there's not even a, not even a moment's hesitation where he just makes that crack. I think that's great. Oh, and they pepper it through the whole, their, all of their interactions with her are very just, Sort of that that razor's edge between polite and uh, condescending, mm-hmm. because of rage. It's it's very funny, and and Henry is picking it up and quickly moving her along through conversations. Yeah, right. He's so but it's, he's it's incredibly funny to Hawkeye and Trapper 
<laughs> her whole presence seems to crack them up a great deal. Yeah, he's so nervous about her. And then we get again, we see her, uh, Catherine Bauman. Uh, certainly, they found a very attractive actress and certainly someone that you could see Henry would sort of fall in love with because she's bubbly and she's cheery and she's very, very flirty. Uh, there is this moment where she climbs out of the Jeep and she's got a relatively you know, for 1952 short skirt and her leg, you know, we see a good shot of her leg as she reaches out. And, you know, we all men and women, we all have kind of, uh, I guess, parts of a, the, the human anatomy that we are more attracted to than others. And in this part, we find out uh, what Hawkeye and Trapper focus on, because when we see <laughs> when we see her leg, Hawkeye says, I'm a doctor. You can you can believe it. You can believe when I tell you. That's a nice leg. And then Trapper just mutters, and that sweater's not made of chopped liver either. So <laughs> clearly Hawkeye is more of a leg man and Trapper is more of a breast man, I guess. I just – I like that they're kind of like really kind of creepy, but it's just with each, with each other. I love that. She's she, It's funny. She's a cheerleader from Independence, Ohio, which, you know, ultimate typecasting since Catherine Bauman was uh, a cheerleader from Independence, Ohio. That's right. That's that just comes off very funny to me. That, that you said they found exactly the right bubbly actress. Boy, I, it seems like they found this actress, and they're like, "All right, we're putting her in Mash. Let's just find every way we can we can make this work." She's got this kind of um, Yvonne Craig poise. Yes, yes, she does look. She looks a bit like Yvonne Craig. She does. She got that kind of round, kind of baby face kind of thing, and but but you can tell that there was like some level of like perhaps dance training or something because she. She's a, she's got a very poised walk. She moves very fluidly, uh, and I guess she didn't really have a lot of acting uh, credits before this. She later on went on to do two episodes of Trapper John M.D., funnily enough. Unfortunately, not playing the same character. That would have been amazing <laughs> if they <laughs> somehow found a reason to bring her back on, on that show. She well, made a p- been, She was in The Thing with Two Heads, and that's— I was going you know, to bring that up. Yeah, I, she, was, she was in The Thing with Two Heads, which is before MASH. Uh, she made appearances in The Fall Guy, Vegas, Knight Rider, Chips, Harry O. And she was in a movie. I, I, I love finding this stuff when I go digging through people's IMDb records. She was in a movie called Sunburst, which is a horror movie about uh, a couple that gets pursued by some rapists, which just sounds like a really fun time. But the cast of this movie is like a Mad Libs. Uh, alongside Catherine Bauman, you've got Peter Hooten, who played Doctor Strange in the 1978 <laughs> Doctor Strange TV movie. Robert Englund, yes, Freddy him, Freddy Krueger himself, and old-timey crooner Rudy Valley, which is <laughs> what? You know, so I desperately want to see this movie. Uh, she gave Uh-oh. up acting and ended up opening a jewelry business in Hollywood and is still active to this day, and she counts a kind of a lot of – big-time actresses as her client, so good for her. That movie, honestly, they might as well have just skipped making the movie and just filmed them all having lunch together. I that know, I know. Like, what the hell does Robert Englund and Rudy Valley have to say to one another? I just can't. And, as an aside, why is there not a streaming channel or something that plays all of these old TV movies? Because I, I would probably become a shut-in or a hermit if such a thing was to happen. Uh, you know, my, my former guest, Amanda Reyes, would, they, from your mouth to her, because she, she's the, the queen of TV movies. And, yeah, I'm sure she would love that if there was such a pay channel that just ran those kinds of things. Because, yeah, I mean, this stuff is all buried. I mean, where, where am I ever going to find a copy of Sunburst? But I'm desperate, I'm desperate to see it now just for that cast. <laughs> oh, so, so good. Yeah, so after, uh, after she arrives and she meets Radar and she keeps talking about how cute he is and how adorable he is. 
uh, and then they have a they Hawkeye. I mean, excuse me, Henry and uh, and Nancy Sue have a have a little meeting in the tent. I love although I do love when she says, "You're the boss." And Henry kind of like, you know, like on the, <laughs> he's kind of all proud of himself. He's sucking in his gut the whole time and stuff like that. Uh, and then they go to the O Club. And uh, this, in the O Club, we get our second appearance by Clyde Kusatsu as Quang Duck. Uh, he would later come back to the show and playing different characters, but this is his second and final appearance as the bartender, I guess, because they realized um, they didn't need to have a separate actor separate character as the bartender. They could just get Igor to do it or Radar or Klinger or whatever. Um, and then I, one of the thing I'll mention as we're kind of going along, the scene with Henry and Radar where they are taught, where he is trying to get uh, uh, Henry to answer his letters home, that's entirely cut in syndication. Uh, most of these episodes that I, when I watch them in syndication, they were edited by little bits and pieces. Like they would trim 30 seconds out of five scenes to get the show down. And instead in this one, they literally just lopped out an entire scene. Uh, when, when I watch it on DVD, I'm like, wait, I don't remember this scene at all. So they just, whoever edited it decided that that scene, I guess to them wasn't terribly important. And it just cuts right from uh, Henry talking about Nancy Sue arriving to basically Nancy Sue arriving. That cuts a significant subplot out of the episode mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And it's right because it's not like Henry hasn't had camp flings. Right. Kind of a, right girlfriend or anything like that i wonder why this time it seems to bother radar to the point that he's intervening and kind of helping steer henry back to his his uh family is it because henry's got the luv i think that's maybe that's a maybe that part of it is different for radar now suddenly he's concerned where he's i guess cosmopolitan for somebody from Atumwa, but he was thinking, you know, camp fling is a camp fling, but this, this sounds different. Yeah. Could be. So now I mean, suddenly- maybe we could have used a moment and would have taken five seconds to see a shot of radar, like listening from the other side of the door to the conversation mm-hmm. he had with Hawkeye and Trapper, where that might, he might be like, oh, that could, you know, like a shocked look on his face. I mean, we have to assume that radar heard it because radar hears everything, hence the name. Uh, but, but, uh, but maybe that just would have helped out just to kind of like, Oh no, he, he senses something's a little different than just a normal camp fling. Uh, when they go to the Oak club, I love, there's this brief little moment where, where Henry is introducing, uh, Nancy Sue, who looked quite fetching in her red outfit and her little neckerchief thing. And he introduces uh, her to some guy named Bob Deutsch, who we have never heard of again. I've never heard of, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know. Like, we we never get the sense that there are any other officers uh, at the four seven seven other than the doctors and the nurses and the nurses are all women. So I don't know who this Bob Deutsch guy. I mean, we don't necessarily mean that he is an officer because we, as we've established, the O Club is open to everybody. But I would love to know who Bob Deutsch is because we, we he's not, he's obviously a friend of Henry's. He says yeah. it, but we never hear from him ever again. Maybe some random ambulance driver. Or yeah, or maybe a chopper pilot. I don't know. It's some sort of weird thing. Um, since this is early on in the Oak Club's history, we're still seeing that the Oak Club is decorated like almost like it's a real hotel with the candles and wicker tables and wicker chairs. Eventually, the Oak Club would be downgraded pretty heavily to where they were drinking off of tires that were <laughs> turned into tables. But right now, it's still they're still trying to make it a little bit like it's like an actual uh, restaurant. It's the scene where in the scene where they meet. Uh, uh, Frank and Hot Lips. Uh, Frank has the immortal line, it's nice to be nice to the nice, which is a line I still use to this day when I... Oh, yeah. 
Uh, what a, what a meme that makes. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to be nice to the nice. I love that Henry orders uh, a peach blow fizz, which is which is one of the like you don't even need to know what it is. You just know it's a ridiculous drink. And I love that when he orders it, Hawkeye just goes, uh-huh. <laughs> he just kind of like, all right. And by the way, I looked up a peach blow fizz. It's a real drink. It's two ounces of gin, four, ounce, four ounces of strawberry, three-fourths three ounces of lemon juice, a half ounce of lime juice, one tablespoon of simple syrup, one tablespoon of heavy cream, and one ounce of soda water. So that is a peach blow fizz. Ugh, that sounds entirely too sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does have very, very. I mean, we know that Henry likes a banana daiquiri. He ordered that in the uh, Officers <laughs> Club episode, so he likes sweet drinks. Uh, when when um, uh, Nancy Sue starts doing her routine, uh, and I love the way Trapper just wanders into the frame, just staring at her like, and, and it's wordless. I love that he's just kind of like, "What the hell am I looking at?" And he's at the same time he's he's pretty turned on because right after that, uh, where she complains about that she's out of shape. And Henry and uh, Trapper says, anything I can do to help? And I love that Henry's, Henry's retort is, steady, McIntyre. <laughs> I love that. It does kind of make you wonder if Trapper had been the one to walk uh, Nancy Sue back to her VIP tent and she tried the same thing. Would he have been uh, less chivalrous than Hawkeye? I mean, That's... certainly his nickname suggests otherwise. That's a that's a good question. I like to think that he would have been, and we'll get to that in a moment because that that is a, a really great scene, and it's something I really like about these characters. So, uh, eventually, as I said, Henry and Trapper get called away, and there's this scene in the OR, and this actually features in an episode full of great jokes. This episode, this scene features my favorite line, and I will ask you what your favorite joke was, your favorite line was. But my favorite line is when Henry and Trapper are talking about Nancy Sue, and he's going on and on and on about her, and he says, "I think even Lorraine would like her." And, <laughs> and then, and then Trapper just says, "Henry, get away from the ether." I just love that. He's like, "You are so far gone. You think your wife would like your mistress? What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> Do you have a particular favorite line? I, I. Do I could I could nominate nice to be nice to the nice or even that whole my hips are forming a rain gutter for my waist. <laughs> but, but for me, the thing that that, that just catches me right um, is the seduction scene with Nancy Sue and um, and Hawkeye, where she says, "I like tall men," and he says, "Me too." I've always been crazy about Abe Lincoln. <laughs> that just sort of like deflect completely in one way. I love that. He really is trying to completely like uh, <laughs> ramp down, you know, the, this very tense situation. And that that is that is a great line. I did notice in the scene in the OR though, they went a little overboard with the ADR because you hear all of the ambient noise in the background and if you listen closely, it sounds like it's the sounds you would hear during a full OR session. It sounds like there's 30 people in the background. You're like there's, there's only supposed to be just the two of them and Ginger Bayless. That's it. There's not, there's not supposed to be like 19 people, but you hear all those. You're like, wait, wait, what are we doing here? This, the sound guy went a little crazy. Uh, he he had the one OR's greatest hits tape that he would. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. He couldn't edit it. He's just like, this is what I have. What do you want me to do? So, uh, so then, of course, yeah, well, then uh, Hawkeye walks uh, Nurse Sheila, who he's dating, played by Sheila Lawrenson. Back to her tent. Her tent is frighteningly close to the OR. I mean, to the O Club. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think it's about ten steps, which I would imagine is very noisy. 
uh, to to be parked that close to the Oak Club. But but you know the the sets uh, they they didn't want to have the characters walk too far. And her her tent, the VIP tent, is barely even further away than that. And that's when they go in there. And I love after Hawkeye gives Nurse Sheila a very just you know kind of passionless peck on the cheek. The way that Nancy Sue immediately kind of gets a little more seductive because she just says, is she your girl? And she's sort of displaying a familiarity with Hawkeye that she really doesn't have yet. But she immediately sort of shifts into that mode. And I I think that's a it's a really nice line reading by Catherine Bauman. It is. Yeah. Aren't you guys supposed to salute each other? No, we don't know each other well enough. Yeah. (laughs) But but yeah, she's immediately as soon as uh, Nurse Sheila's out of the picture. Yeah, it's game on. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. She, I mean, she bl- literally blocks his path, uh, and we can leave. And then she says, uh, "You know, you knew it too. You, you, as soon as we met, you knew it. There was something in the air." And then that's what Hawkeye says. That was Henry. He was sweating a lot, and she <laughs> plant she plants one on Hawkeye, and he pushes her, and then she tries it again, and he pushes her off. And I really like this scene because there is no suggestion in my mind that Hawkeye is even remotely tempted. I, I mean, she's really aggressive, and you could argue that he's a man, that he probably could push maybe a little harder because she is a kind of a tiny woman. But I get the sense that he's just shocked. But I love the line where he says, uh, one of us loves Henry Blake, and I think it's me. I ju- that warms my heart, that scene, because it's, it's Hawkeye is showing fidelity to his friend, and I really love it. I mean, when it comes right down to it, you've seen Hawkeye chase the nurses, and and I mean – She's she pretty much presented herself in all her athletic glory in the O Club to him. I mean, the she she didn't leave him much to the imagination. But yeah, there's not even a, the barest hint that he would take her up on it because, yeah. as you say, his he is supremely looking out for his friend. And I love not, that. It, uh, that that is I mean that is one of the things that attracted me to Mash as a child was that it, it was these people that formed this very strong bond and I I'll admit I you know I was uh, I have step siblings but once once I uh, once my parents and I moved to New Jersey I was essentially an only child and I didn't have siblings and I didn't like I was kind of a an inward kid and, you know I drew a lot was in, and so I didn't have like a ton of group friends as a group and so I sort of wanted that i love that idea of having a friend that was that loyal to you and so that was something that attracted me to these characters is that you know i mean hawkeye as we know is a very very oversexed guy uh and yet you know and, and he's being presented with a woman who is throwing herself at him and yet he's completely rejecting her and i really admire that i think it's great and like i said you're right mid trapper hopefully would have made the same decision uh, we'll never know because of course they were always going to give hawkeye the the center of the attention more than than trapper but i i just think that's a great moment he may have pushed back um more slowly maybe yeah <laughs> but he maybe so pushed. yeah he would have. Uh, by the way, they mentioned they mention um, how that breakfast is at five a.m. Dear God, why are we eating breakfast at five a.m.? Why are they making everybody get up that? Or- I know you get up early in the army, but that seems a little much. Like they say, it, it's better that way because then you can't see the food. Then you can't see the food, and then of course they pay that off later when uh, when when you know he he. Henry tells Radar, you know, my wife is very happy that she called, that I called, made me wish I had. And I love that, that he's thanking Radar. And the way he thanks Radar is by saying, let's sleep in, let's stay up till five, let's, we'll sleep in till 515. And I, that's, that's all the dialogue these two need to share. 
Uh, it's a really sweet moment. I love that the radar radar is you know radar has those skills as we know that hear the choppers and he hears the phone ringing, but he also is incredibly sensitive and incredibly intuitive. And in there'll be later episodes where he is the kind of a Johnny on the spot about he knows what somebody needs emotionally before they even know they need it. And he does that here for Henry. And it's very sweet. I love that he knows that, you know, Henry just has to talk to his wife again and that will straighten things out. There is a weird moment earlier on in the episode where he is talking to Andrew where he says, Andrew, you're the man of the house. But in the previous season, we heard Andrew be born. Uh, so how, how old could Andrew possibly be that he is the man of the house or is even old enough to understand his father talking to him? I mean, Andrew's not, can't even be a year old at this point. Andrew's just humoring him. They, they put the, the phone in the, in the crib and he's just humoring, humoring dad. Okay. That, that, well, again, uh, I, I buy that. Verbal. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the final scene where Henry is very distant. It's funny how these two just, just decide without even talking to one another, uh, that this thing has already died. Uh, it makes me think of the line. There's a line from a great Bruce Springsteen song called uh, When You're Alone. And it's nobody knows where love goes, but when it goes, it's gone, gone. And uh, I think that's true in this case because it's, it's Henry doesn't find out what she tried with Hawkeye. I mean, unless, right. the, you know, at least that's the, the intimation that I took is that he doesn't know this happened. But yet overnight, obviously, the phone call with his wife has he obviously didn't go visit. Nancy Sue overnight. He stayed in his in his tent, and I guess they just sort of came to this mutual agreement that yeah, this thing this thing has just died. So okay, and they really have that distance. And then of course she uh, couldn't she can't help herself but flirt with Hawkeye one last time, and she does this wave with her fingers where she kind of like <laughs> folds them in order. It's an incredibly flirty wave for 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 just using your hand. It's it's pretty seductive. It's I I take it that way too. By the way, that he that that Hawkeye's not going to tell Henry. Nobody's going to tell Henry what happened. Yeah. But yeah, he came to that conclusion on his own. He he was um, intoxicated with youth, but his uh, his wife's checking account has sobered him up. And he's, yeah, there. Yeah, he's what it's supposed to be about. And I like that Hawkeye gets one final dig in that when she waves at him and he goes, rah, rah, and he does a little pom-pom <laughs> with his hand. I like he's just getting one last kind of like, yeah, just get out. Just fine. And then the, the episode <laughs> end, The episode ends with the three of them, uh, just three guys. And he, he, Hawkeye mentions if you sucked your gut in one more time, your belly button would have fallen out your backside, which uh, uh, Henry does not take offense to. He actually chuckles, and the three of them walk off together. And it's just a really sweet, warm scene. Again, these three grown men. They have this subtext with each other. Things don't need to be fully explained, and I, I just, I just love it. And it's a great button uh, on the episode. And just all in all, this is just—I've been seeing—I've been saying almost every episode this season that this this season is just a winner. I don't think they've had a bad episode in the lot. But of course, there are even within the peaks of season two, there are higher peaks, and I would say this is one of the higher peaks. I think this is a bona fide classic episode. Oh yeah, and the characters are starting to really gel together like they should. The, the relationship with Henry and, and Hawkeye and Trapper is, uh, is complicated. There, there's camaraderie and there's, there's, you know, manly friendship, but at the same time, Henry is the authority figure. So he can't really spend all of his time in the swamp and radar and Henry are starting to develop a, uh, paternal relationship with each other, which is, uh, which is fun to watch. And yeah, everything is really starting to fall into place. The show is 
now the show that we remember where my previous episode, major Fred C Dobbs is full of characters that look like mash characters, but they don't act like mash characters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it said it's, it's just, it's really, really, really solid. And again, it's just one of it's these episodes that I, every, I laugh at it every time. Uh, I just think it's, it's just got the, the jokes are great. The camaraderie is great. And yeah, they really are kind of running, burning on all thrusters at this point. They've got the formula down they're, they're They can experiment with it as they will later on, but they really kind of know what this thing is now. And yeah. they can just move on and you can bring in a guest actor like Catherine Bauman and sort of shake everything up or whatever. But it really is the the internal dynamics of these characters. And so uh, just a few random details. Of course, there's no Klinger or Father Mulcahy in this episode. And there is a moment where we see Henry jogging. First of all, he's wearing his combat boots, which is probably horribly uncomfortable. But uh, we see him jogging and he looks like he's ready to die. I have looked like that many a time in the morning when I go for my jog. Uh, I just look miserable. So I'm I'm there with you, Henry. I completely appreciate. It. Although I, not having any hair, I don't have to dye it. So uh, <laughs> we don't. We don't get. We don't. You don't have hair. My my hair bleeding, as uh, Hawkeye suggests. So this this is just a, a total winner of an episode. So uh, Ken, thank you so much for coming back, man. Like I, as I said at the top of the show, uh, you earn all my respect for being willing to talk about Major Fred C. Dobbs. And so uh, I'm really, I was really happy to be able to, to have you back on for season two. Oh, an absolute blast! I look forward to season three. Absolutely, me too. So, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your sketches on the internet? You can find well, you can find me, my sketches, and my all ages comic book, The Quick and the Dad, in a variety of places. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and whatever the kids are doing these days. Uh, smoke <laughs> signal? I don't know. It's 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 all new to me. But you can certainly find my comic, The Quick and the Dad, in print and digital on indieplanet.com. And uh, digital issues are 99 cents, people. I mean, it's a good way to jump in, and it's designed for all ages, and it's kind of cute. Very cool. I said that's great. And he said you you do these sketches of the MASH actors, and you post them on Twitter. And every so often, like, Loretta Swit or somebody else related to the show will, like, retweet what you're doing. And I'm like, that's awesome. I just love that. I love that they get to see that stuff. I've got a I've got a actually an art exhibit going right now uh, at our city hall, and uh, I've got a bunch of sketches up for it, and a lot of the mash ones are included because it's since they're mostly facial sketches. I'm calling it face your heroes, and uh, I've got a variety of, uh, of famous people: your your Paul McCartney's, your Attila's, the Hun, and. <laughs> And I have the the MASH characters prominently displayed as well, and I've appreciated that it's been getting a lot of – there's been a lot of people that come in, and by goodness, they they recognize the character from MASH, that for sure. That's very cool. That's great. Good for you. That's wonderful. Very, very cool. So, like I said, that is going to do it for this episode of MASHcast. If you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. You can leave an iTunes review. I really would appreciate that. There are, as we know, there are other MASH podcasts out there. There's the very fun MASH Matters show, and we're going to do a crossover with them at some point down the line. But uh, if you want to leave a review, I really would appreciate it. I will be covering those reviews uh, later on at the end of the season. And, uh, of course, we're always talking MASH over on Twitter, which is at MASH477Cast. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that is all.
fourth picture's the best. It's a nice-looking kid. Real winner. And you're in love with her mother?